series called Daily Reminders, and the key verse for this series is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, which says, train yourself for what? For godliness. That's our goal. And if you look at that word train, if you study that word train, what you see is that Paul is talking about training like an athlete trains. So we need to train for godliness like an athlete trains for a game or a competition. An athlete has daily routines that he or she believes will make them better in, in their sport. And just like an athlete has daily routines, we need daily routines that will lead to godliness. And uh, that term godliness basically just means to live as God wants us to live. We could refer to it as spiritual maturity or Christ-likeness. We're followers of Christ. The goal is to be more like Jesus. So, so far we've considered two spiritual disciplines. We're not going to get to all of the spiritual disciplines in this series. We're not going to go on and on forever on this. We'll get to one or two more weeks after this. But so far, we've considered Bible intake and prayer. Bible intake is just basically taking the Bible in, uh, reading the Bible, hearing it, studying it, memorizing it, meditating upon it, and applying it. Of course, prayer as well. These are probably the two most important of the spiritual disciplines, but there are others. So our daily routines really do impact our spiritual growth. So that means that these, these spiritual disciplines need to become regular routines in our lives. If we want to progress toward that goal of godliness, we need to train ourselves for godliness. And we train ourselves by, by being disciplined in the uh, spiritual disciplines. Notice that word disciplines, uh, which indicates that these things probably are not so uh, easy for us. To, to keep on doing just like it's not easy to, to train like an athlete, literally. So the spiritual disciplines, Bible intake, prayer, we're going to get to a third one. Perhaps we don't think of this as a spiritual discipline, but the third discipline is worship. So before I get into what worship is, let me share with you what worship is not. Now when I say worship, when you hear that word worship, what comes to mind? What do you immediately think of? Maybe music or singing. And the word worship, right? The word worship has sort of become synonymous with, with singing and music, but worship actually is not singing. Singing is a way we can worship, but there are many other ways we can worship. So we shouldn't use that word worship as a synonym for singing songs of, of praise to the Lord. Worship is, is more than, than just that. So 
Singing is, is one way, but there are other ways we can worship God. So what is worship? Well, I've been going through uh, Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, and here's how he defines worship. Worship is focusing on and responding to God. Focusing on and responding to God. Now, if you've ever studied the word worship, you can actually look this up on the uh, Wikipedia page for uh, the word worship. They'll have it there as well. But if you ever hear a sermon on worship, this is always brought up, and I'll bring it up as well. Uh, the etymology or the origin of the word worship comes from an old English word meaning worth-ship. So when we worship God, we're ascribing proper worth to God. You see that in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, in that great scene of worship before the throne of God. And John writes in those verses, Revelation 4, 9 through 11, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Now we're not going to get into you know, what the living creatures and the 24 elders represent here this morning, but they're worshiping him who lives forever and ever, the one who is seated on the throne. Of course, that is God. It says, they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, notice the first word they say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So God is, is worthy. They worship God, and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. We don't give God power in the sense that we give him more power because God is an omnipotent, but we give him our, our service and, that, and, and, and we, we glorify him, we honor him in, in what we say and in what we do. So God is worthy. He's worthy of, of this, this praise. So to worship God, you could add to it, it's focusing on and responding to God. It's, it's ascribing proper worth to God. He's worthy of this. So the more we, we focus on God, the more we realize that he is worthy of everything that we can give him. And so it's a good exercise to, to focus on, on God. To focus on God. To think about who God is. He is the creator. The one true God. He is the one who has made us. He has made all things. The galaxies, the planet earth, all of nature that we see around us. He is the creator. You think of the gospel as we focus on God, how, how God loves us, how he sent his son into this world to die for our sins, how he, he saves us by grace, by mercy. And as we focus on all of that, who God is and, and what God has done for us, then that leads to, to worship. As we focus on him, we respond to him. And so as we worship, we're saying to God, 
You're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my thankfulness. You're worthy of my trust. You're worthy of my obedience. You're worthy of my possessions. You're worthy of my service. Worthy of everything that we could give him. Because of who he is and what he has done for us. Now the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans goes one step further and says that God is worthy of our very bodies. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Paul writes, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God. So he's focused on uh, in the letter to the Romans what God has, has done for us. By his grace, I I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The New International Version says this is your true and proper worship. So that tells us that worship is more than just, you know, singing songs, which is a way we could worship, but really worship is uh, a whole lifestyle. It's giving our very selves to God as an offering, Paul says, of worship. So as we focus on God, as we focus on who he is, as we focus on what he has done for us, then we respond to him. And Paul says the response should be that we offer our bodies as an offering to God, which means offering our whole selves to God, not just not just some praise on a Sunday morning, but uh, seven days a week offering ourselves to God in worship. And so that is what worship is. Worship is focusing on and responding to God. It's ascribing to God his proper worth. It's really giving, uh, being willing to give anything and everything to God because he is worthy of that. So that is worship, what worship is. But what we see from what Jesus says and in other parts of Scripture is that not all worship is worship. In Matthew 15, 7 through 9, Jesus told the scribes and Pharisees that Isaiah prophesied of them when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. It's interesting, we don't have time perhaps to do this, but if you go to the uh, passage in Isaiah, uh, in the Gospels, it's, it's changed a little bit to fit the context, but in Isaiah, it talks about how, how the way they worship was, was something taught. And so it was taught by men, so that was uh, sort of just a thing they went through, a ritual, a routine, but their hearts weren't connected to what they were doing. So their worship, Jesus says, was in vain. In other words, it was really all for nothing. You know, they were doing the right thing, but their heart was far from God, and so it was in vain, which means it was all for nothing. Have you ever done something that in the end turned out to be all for nothing? I was trying to think of a moment where that happened to me, and I couldn't, but uh, you could say, you know, this has probably happened, not exactly, but, you know, you, you stained your fence in the backyard, and then, you know, you took all that time, and then the next week a hurricane comes and, and destroys the fence, and, you know, you look back and you say, all that work was for nothing. 
and that's how that's how God looks at uh, worship when we worship Him, but our heart is not close to Him. Our heart is far from Him, and so it's in vain. It's it's all for nothing. And so Jesus called the scribes and Pharisees hypocrites. So they were going through the motions of worship, but their hearts were far from God. They were worshiping, but they really weren't worshipers. Not everyone who worships is a worshiper. So we can worship with our lips without being actually a worshiper in the sense that God is pleased with that worship. We can worship and it be all in vain, all for nothing. And so as we, as we worship, we can think of our worship here this morning. Are we, are we focusing on God? Are we, are we, are we wanting to, to draw closer to God, to respond to God? How does God view our worship? Would he say, this church honors me with only their lips? Or would he say, this church honors me with both their lips and their hearts? What would he say of us as, as individuals? What would he say of you and me? Would he say, that person worships me with, with just their lips? Or would he say, they worship me with their heart and their lips? So we need to be mindful of the fact that, that we can worship, but it end up really not being worship. If we just worship without really thinking about what we're doing or if our heart is, is far from God. It can look good on the outside, but not inwardly, and that's where hypocrisy comes in. So worship, how about worship that's not in, in vain? Uh, what kind of worship does God desire? Well, just let me share with you two points on this. this is a, we'll end with this, but what kind of worship does God desire? The first thing that could be said of this is that God desires worship that engages both the heart and the head. If you go back to John chapter 4, Maybe you didn't ever leave John chapter 4. But uh, John chapter 4, going to those key verses on worship. Not going to really get into the whole story here. uh, But Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman at the well outside a town of Samaria. And uh, she asks him some questions or one question about, about worship. Where is the proper place to worship? Uh, Jesus says in verses 23 and 24, really that she's asking the wrong question or a question that really won't be applicable soon. He says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, if you study this, this passage, these two verses, if, if, you, if you look up 
what the commentators have to say about it, you'll, you'll find that there's a disagreement as to whether uh, the word spirit should refer to the human spirit or the Holy Spirit. I won't make a decision on that this morning, but I think in the end, uh, it, it amounts to pretty much the same, because if, the whole, if it's the Holy Spirit, then our spirit within us, the human spirit, is, is changed, and that affects our worship. So either way, whether it's talking about the Holy Spirit or the human spirit, there should be emotion in our worship. Now, we know that not everyone is emotional in the same way. Some people are very outwardly emotional. You can see when they're emotional. Other people uh, if they can be moved very deeply and not really show it much, if at all, on the outside. Of course, I'm more of the latter type of person, and some of you perhaps are more of that former type of person. We're emotional in different ways. Uh, but there should be emotion in our worship. Uh, worship is more than, than just a, a duty, something we should do. We know that Valentine's Day is, is coming up. It's this Wednesday. And, and uh, let's say that I, uh, on Valentine's Day, I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but let, I, 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 let's say I buy Marsha a bouquet of flowers. If I do, it'll be a surprise. If not, I didn't promise it. But... Uh, <laughs> Let's say, I, let's say I buy her some flowers for, for Valentine's Day, but, but when, I, when I give her those flowers, I say something like, well, here's my, here's my duty to you as, as a husband, my once-a-year gift of flowers. I hope you enjoy them. Uh, and not really show any emotion, or she doesn't sense at all that I'm giving this, this gift out of any, any love for her. Would she be very impressed with that gift? Probably not. Maybe she would like the flowers, but they wouldn't really mean a whole lot to her uh, if I didn't give them out of love. So uh, that's you know, what, what Jesus was saying in Matthew 15. Uh, that's what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 4, that, that we need to uh, worship uh, with not just the head, doing what we know we should do, but also with, with the heart, with, with emotion. So engaging both the heart and the head. Both are important. Worship is more than just a duty. So worshiping, on the other hand, is in truth, which means worshiping God is based on, again, who he is, what he's done. It's, it's focusing on the truth. So the truth should be a part of it, of course, but also emotion. So it's not just a cold thing, not just going through uh, steps or a routine, you know, think of the Lord's Supper in a moment, you know, not just going through it and not thinking about, upon what this is all about and, and being moved uh, emotionally, whether outwardly or inwardly or both. Uh, so worship, our worship can't be all emotion without truth, but it also can't be all truth without emotion. We need both the heart and the head engaged as we worship. That is what what God wants, focusing on God and responding to him. And then secondly, God desires both public and private worship. Now, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman that God is spirit, which means that worship isn't really tied to a particular 
location. She was asking about the worship, the place that the, the Samaritans worshipped and where the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem and the temple. When you think of worship, you might think about a particular location, like they thought of the temple. We might think of a building like this, a church building. This is where we worship. But Jesus was saying here that, that, that God is spirit, which means uh, he's not flesh like us. We, we are confined or limited to a certain location. We can't be more, at more than one place at one time. You know, we're all here, not somewhere else physically. Uh, and God, though, is, is spirit. And so God is able to be in more place, more than one place at a time. We, we say that he is omnipresent, able to be in all places at once. And so worship of God isn't tied to a particular location. We can worship God anywhere. So we can worship him here. We can worship him you know, in our car, we can worship him at home. Wherever we go, we can worship God because God is spirit. He is everywhere. We can worship him in spirit and truth wherever we go. That doesn't, however, mean that that is uh, something that makes worshiping together as a church family optional. We shouldn't say, well, I can worship God anywhere, so I don't really need to be uh, with, with a church and worship uh, together. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And there's that verse in, in Hebrews 10, verse 25. Actually, you can look at the previous verse or verses. Verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, some say that, that one of the reasons why this, uh, this letter to the Hebrews was written is because some people were, 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 were no longer uh, meeting together. They were uh, neglecting that that habit, and, and that was a sign that, that some of them were, were, were perhaps in danger of, of falling away from Christ and from the church. So Jesus is not saying here, well, it doesn't matter where you worship, you can worship God anywhere, so you don't need to worship with your church family. That's not what he's saying here. The writer of Hebrews says it's, it's very important to gather together, uh, not only to worship together, but here the emphasis is on encouraging one another. So, uh, you know, you can encourage us just by being here. That's an encouragement. It's encouragement to me uh, just that you're here, uh, but uh, you can also look uh, for ways to encourage others by example and also by what you, by what you say. And so, worshiping needs to be both public and, and private. So, so that tells us that you know, watching a live stream isn't a replacement for worshiping with your church family. Hopefully we all know that. You know, we have a live stream you know, for a reason. It, it's very helpful. You know, I know some people are not feeling well today, so, so they, can, they can tune in. It's not the same as being uh, here, but I guess it's the next best thing. Uh, and so when, you, when, when people are away or traveling or uh, no longer able to come out and, and worship because of health, uh, then it's a good thing. Uh, some people have even tuned in and uh, ended up coming 
to the church when they hadn't before. So it's a ministry that is, is, is very good, but we shouldn't look at it as a replacement for, for being here. If we're able to be here, then we should be here to worship together. But of course, worshiping isn't something that happens only on a Sunday. It's supposed to be a seven days a week discipline. And so we should be focusing on God each day and responding in worship. And so this is where it gets to more of the individual spiritual discipline of worship. So we've talked about what worship is, responding to God after we focus on him. And so you might think about this and you say, well, well, I can worship God anywhere, so I'm just going to spontaneously worship him throughout the day, which is good. But just like with with prayer, we can have that uh, idea, but then never really end up doing it. So I think it's better to do a both-and approach. Both plan a time to spend with the disciplines and then also maybe spontaneously uh, do some with, uh, throughout the day. And so this time of worship really could be done uh, together with our, our Bible intake, probably Bible reading and prayer. You know, as we're in God's Word, we should be focusing on God, focusing on the truth of what, who God is, what he has done for us. And so we're focusing on God. That's the first part of worship. And then we respond to God, and we can respond to God in, in prayer. You know, we can worship God through our prayers. And, and uh, you know, if we read a, a passage that speaks of how great God is, then we can uh, include praise in our prayer. If we, if we read about the gospel, what, what Christ has done for us, we can uh, include thanksgiving in our prayers. If, there's a, if we're struggling with something, if there's fear, uh, we have a promise in God's word that might speak to that, then we can, we can uh, include uh, an expression of trust in, in, our, in our prayer. So those are all th- ways in which we can worship God, respond to the truth of who God is and what he has done for us. And so we can do that spontaneously throughout the day, uh, but uh, I think it would be also good if we plan to do that as we're in God's word and praying. And of course, we also need to plan to be in God's word and pray as well. And so, you know, we plan to be here on Sunday morning to worship. It's not a spontaneous thing. It's on the schedule. We come here together to worship. Uh, and, and I think it is fitting that we, we plan to do that at a certain time each day as well as, as individuals to, to worship God. It's not exactly the same, but it's, uh, it's something that we, we need to do, a discipline we need to put into practice to, to uh, each day focus on God and respond appropriately to the truth of who he is and what he has done for us.